0: Hello and welcome to the without exception podcast. My name is Josiah Ott and on this podcast, I seek to share practical content for everyday Christians. My hope is that I can help you live out your faith each day without exception. Thanks for tuning in, whether this is your first time or you've been listening with me since the beginning of this podcast. I really do appreciate you listening. Now this is episode number 20. And today we're talking about becoming a Berean part two, the importance of regular scripture reading. Next week, we're going to go over some translation choices and hone in on that idea. And then following, I'm going to get into actual principles of Bible study. But I really wanted to focus in on the fact that first we have to make it a regular part of our lives, a part of the rhythm of our lives. So I'm excited about this. I might echo some thoughts that I shared last week, just because I love the word of God I love engaging with it I love talking about it and I didn't re-listen to last week's episode right before this so I might end up repeating a little bit but I think it'll still be good if you didn't listen to last week's already I encourage you to go back and catch that because these are all going to be in a series I'm um, discussing the importance of reading scripture and studying it for ourselves and knowing what God is trying to say to us and so we're talking about the importance of regular, regular reading this week. And have you ever missed a meal and not noticed? You might have missed a meal like once and and maybe not noticed it. But generally, even if you only miss one meal, God's created this thing called hunger that all of us experience when we haven't had enough food. As soon as you miss a meal, you kind of get this feeling. And the more you miss, you know, you'll kind of catch up and realize, Hey, I'm actually really hungry. I need to eat. I'm starving. And of course, you're probably never actually starving, but you'll say that because you're experiencing hunger. If you've ever fasted, you would know a lot about this. You really realize how important food is to our regular lives when you haven't had it for a little while. There was a time when I was a student at Blue Ridge, I had decided to go on a fast and we were going to go on a fast until we felt like we were done and ended up being, I believe, about nine days total that we fasted, me and a friend of mine. And I noticed about three days in, I think it was between three and four days that I was doing water only, no, no nutrients, no juice, no nothing, just water. And I noticed that I had no energy. I I felt like I couldn't even do anything. Walking was hard, you know, like I was still sleeping, but I had no nutrition in my body. And so I believe it was the fourth day, maybe the fifth day, somewhere in that range, I started taking like the V8 juice or it's like blended up vegetables and stuff. So I still wasn't eating, but I needed I needed something. I know that people have fasted like 40 days with just water, I think. I can't even imagine how physically drained you'd have to be, but it really shows you when you take these times away from food how important food is to our bodies. And normally we don't let it get that bad. But we we look at this and we realize that in the same way that food strengthens our natural bodies, the word of God is like food to our spirit and to strengthen our spirits. And so if you go to church once a week and then you don't engage with scripture yourself throughout the week, you're basically eating, spiritually speaking, one meal for a week. And nobody would ever um, have a diet where you only eat once a week. You, You always eat daily. I mean, most people eat at least two times a day. A lot of people would probably eat breakfast as well and eat three times a day. And that doesn't include probably all the junk that you eat in between meals, like we, we need to eat. And so you, you realize that you could probably live off of eating once a week. I mean, it's probably sustainable. It'd probably keep you alive, but it would never be healthy. You'd never be able, although you might survive, you'll never thrive, right? That idea. And so you'd get to that point where even if you're not somebody that cooks, you'd be cooking, you know, like if you could be a terrible cook and if nobody else was cooking and you're like, Hey, I'm only getting one meal a week that's not going to work for me. I need to eat more than one meal a week. So I'm going to cook something up myself, even if it's terrible. And so in the same way, we need to be engaging with scripture and reading and being fed in that way. Maybe not cooking up a bad meal that's terrible, but it's still important to engage. There's a a pastor named Robbie Gallaty. He's a pastor of a church called, um, I believe, Long Hollow Baptist Church. And he's got a podcast that I listen to sometimes. And he shared this really cool analogy. I think it was based off of a study done by somebody. I can't remember all of it, but the principle stuck with me. And And he said that scripture reading is like high tide and it raises all the other boats in the water. And basically what he was saying is that scripture reading is the most foundational spiritual discipline. He said people that only pray... Likely only pray. But people who start with scripture reading, they likely pray as well, as well as fast, as well as do these other things. He said if you start with scripture reading, most of the time it leads to the other spiritual disciplines, probably because a lot of them are found within the pages of scripture. But it is such a foundational uh, discipline to put into practice in our lives. Furthermore, I was uh, I, a part of a seminar for Logos, the Bible software that I use for studying. Uh, and it was a Zoom meeting. Their vice president was sharing. Uh, Vodi Bacham was present as well, which was pretty pretty neat. And so we were we were going through this thing, and he shared this this study that had been done by a Christian organization. I can't remember the name of the organization, but the results they stuck with me very very much. It, it was like this this is crazy, and apparently it's true because they based it off of actual research. And they said that they surveyed people. They studied the, or, or read the Bible like once a week versus twice a week versus three times a week, you know, all the way up to doing it daily. And they said, for the most part, people that only read scripture one to three times a week really do not see a noticeable difference in their lives. They looked at different, way, different attributes of Christian living, um, I, I believe conquering different temptations, different things. And they basically said that if you are engaging in scripture three days a week or less, it's really not going to make a significant difference. But they found in the study that as soon as people hit the fourth, four days a week, that it made a very, very noticeable difference in almost every area of their lives as far as what they were studying. Again, I don't remember all of it. And I don't know, I, I would look it up, but I don't know even where to get started. But that was the results of the study. And so it's basically four days is that time when you're engaging with scripture more often than you're not, right? Four days a week is where you go and it goes over the halfway point of, of three and a half. And so they said they experienced a noticeable difference. But the important thing here was the consistency. You had They had to build consistency. Only doing it a little bit, only doing it here and there was not what was going to get them to where they needed to be in their walk with God. They needed to engage at least four times a week, preferably daily. But as soon as you hit that That mark, it made a big difference. I thought that was interesting. And I found in my own life um, that this is definitely true as far as um, scripture reading. To have it for me, it's a daily practice, unless we're traveling. Sometimes I miss a day here or there. But another thing that I found in my life when it came to like building habits and finding breakthroughs at certain points is I got into running last year and I would go for a run initially like twice a week. And I got to the point where I could do a 5k, 3.1 miles. And I thought that was great, but I was pretty much capped where that was the longest run I could do. And anything over two miles, I felt like I was dying, but I was only running for two times a week. And I started looking up online, you know, different advice from various people. And almost everybody said that if you only run twice a week, you'll probably barely maintain where you're at. You probably won't lose any fitness, but you're not really going to gain anything. But if you can aim for at least three times, preferably four times a week, you'll notice a big difference. And I found that I went from struggling to hit two miles or whatever to within, I can't remember, I think it was within four or five months, I ran a half marathon, which is 10 miles longer than I originally started. But the breakthrough came when I took the two times a week up to three times a week. Now, eventually uh, I ended up overdoing it a little bit. So there's kind of a, the negative side there too. So, I mean, there was also the principle of start small. Building a habit requires you to start small, but consistency is the key. As soon as I got it up to three times a week, it was a huge, huge game changer. And that's all it took. So I believe in the same way, it kind of supports the evidence they found in that study that we need to be engaging regularly with scripture. Now, Paul told Timothy uh, this at the end of second Timothy chapter three, he said, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. I love the letter of second Timothy because it's largely believed to be Paul's last letter that he wrote out of all the things that Paul wrote. It was the final one that's in the Canon that he wrote and he wrote it to his spiritual son, Timothy. So it's basically, it's his last words, right? It's supposed to be something significant when somebody shares the the last things they're going to share. And not only that, it's to his, his son in the faith, Timothy. So this letter is a really big deal. And he's emphasizing here, the importance of scripture and how it will thoroughly equip us for every good work. It'll make us complete. And he's telling this to Timothy, his young pastor first, but not only that, it's for all believers. And I love the fact that, that God gave us scripture because it, we're not in the dark, right? God did not leave us in the dark with what he desires for us, for what he desires of godliness in our lives, what Christian faith should look like in practice. Right. That's, that's what this verse is talking about. The we can be equipped and complete for every good work because God did not leave us in the dark. He told us through his word, what he expects of us. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I remember at least one time when I was in high school that I had a a big assignment that I had to do for a class that had no rubric. And for me, I've learned lately that there's a lot of differences in people. We got to take into account personalities, but at least for me, I'm a rubric kind of guy. I need a rubric for anything school-wise. I mean, now that I'm in seminary, there's some classes that don't have a rubric. And for me, I'm like, if I can have a rubric, I know what you're looking for. Like, for and I actually, uh, uh, last week, I emailed my professor for this current class because I got a grade I wasn't a huge fan of on on an assignment. And I was like, man, I want to do what you want. Clearly, I missed something because I got a bad grade. And so I'd like to know what you want from that, from me, you know, what, what's going to get this up to where I want it to be. And so he, he gave me some advice and this week it was better. And so I look at this and realize that's what God did when he gave us his word. He didn't leave us in the dark. He gave us a rubric. Basically he gave us his standard, his desire, his expectations for Christian living. He's not going to just go and say, all right, be a Christian. And we say how, and then it's like, well, you just got to figure out? He's laid it out clearly in His Word, again, not that we're saved by these works, but it's the it's the fruit of our faith that we pursue after Him and pursue godliness in Christ. And then James wrote this, um, beginning a little bit earlier. He says in James chapter one verse nineteen, "Know this, my beloved brothers: Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God." So first we have to be willing to hear. And what do we hear first? It's the word of God that we should be listening to. Then he says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness, the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. And I read in a commentary, the Bible guide something I've shared from before that I really enjoy. It says this quote, if we are believers, then we have work to do clearing out the weeds of wickedness from the ground of our lives and planting the life-giving seed of God's truth. So we take out anger. We take out being quick to speak and and quick, quick to anger. We take out these things and then we pursue after the righteousness of God with meekness, receiving this word that he's given us. And a lot of people don't like that the word of God is likened to a seed you know, and and we're supposed to plant that seed in our own lives. Like Jesus shared about it in the parable of the sower in Matthew 13. I think it's in Mark chapter five as well, maybe Mark chapter four. I think it's Mark chapter four. And he talks about the importance of, of the word of God being like a seed in this, in the sowers, the kind of the preacher or Jesus himself is sowing the seed, which represents the word of God. And so now we get to sow that seed into our own lives by engaging with the biblical text. But I don't believe that a lot of people in today's world, like seeds, because for the most part, we have a microwave generation. Everybody wants what they want. They want it now. Like, I'm, I want to be able to heat something up. I want to be able to cook something real quick. I want to be able to just go get some fast food because I'm not willing to wait. So, obviously, the idea of a seed isn't very popular because you can't microwave a seed. You can't fast food a seed. It's something that takes time, it, it requires a, a process where we have to wait. And it's funny, I was thinking about this, like our culture, we have it so bad, like there there used to be the analogy of like, you know, God's more like a crock pot than a microwave. But our culture has got it so bad that we came up with the instant pot, right? Like, for people that need a crock pot quality, but can't wait for the crock pot time, like, we got this big thing, and it's an instant pot. And my wife and I have one, and I think it's great. We don't use it as much as we anticipated, which I think is probably the testimony of almost every person who owns one but it's still that same concept of like we hate to wait so we're going to do a crockpot thing as quick as possible because we we don't like waiting and so this whole idea of the word of god being like a seed you know it requires time seeds don't bear fruit the second they're planted and it doesn't take away from the fact that god's word is is living and it's active and it's powerful doesn't take away from that. It just shows that sometimes the change doesn't happen overnight. Sometimes the change requires consistent watering of the seed, like that engagement of the four times a week, at least like that whole idea, it requires engagement, commitment, and growth before it actually bears fruit. And then James continues and says this in verse 22, he says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. He looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So it's saying here that it's like looking in a mirror. You look in a mirror generally, uh, some people look just to observe how beautiful they are and amazing they are, and that, that that probably exists. But for the most part, people look in a mirror because they have things that they want to make sure they look nice. They might need adjusted. You, uh, for men, you might need to shave or or trim your beard or whatever. You might have to comb your hair. For ladies, they got to take care of their hair. Ladies wear makeup. You know these different things. So you look in a mirror and you realize, okay, my my hair is pretty wonky. This is pretty bad. I need to, I need to fix it. And so the the mirror kind of shows you what you need to change. And in the same way, the word of God, we can look in it and it will reflect to us the areas of our lives that, that aren't in alignment with what, what God wants. It reflects those areas that, that we need to improve, that we need to more of God. in. and, you know, for me, when I look at the mirror in the mirror in the morning, a lot of times I just put a hat on and call it good, but we can't do that as Christians. When we look into this perfect word, and it reflects back to us. We can't just throw a hat on to cover up our jacked up hair. I mean, you, you can't do that. You have to actually dive into it, submit to it, and be willing to let it change you. Again, it's a process, and we don't want. I think sometimes people are discouraged because of the process, because you go and realize it's like it's like lifting weights. If you go and lift weights for a day, it doesn't change you. You have to lift weights for a long period of time before you experience changes. And the word of God's like a seed, so it takes time sometimes for it to develop that change in your life. But God has been faithful. He says that his word won't return void. You know, he, w- he will accomplish what it set out for, for it to do. But we have to be faithful to wait and continue to engage and not to lose heart in that waiting time. So I want to encourage you to make a time where you can consistently read your Bible every day and determine to make it a habit. And if you fall off the wagon, that's okay. Just get back on but you want to put it into your day as an appointment with God that you have to keep, make it important. For me, I'm a big advocate of reading in the morning, but some people don't like to read first thing in the morning. Some people aren't morning people might like to read at the end of the day to unwind. Either way, what matters most is that you're engaging with the scripture on a regular basis and letting it convict you and transform you more into the image of Jesus Christ. So go and be a reader and a doer of the word this week. And so with that, I thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Without Exception podcast. I pray that this episode has been edifying to you and that it is something you can put into practice in your own life. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe and share it with others. If you were listening on Apple, I would love it if you would leave a review. It helps with the exposure of the show. That said, I pray you have an awesome week. And until I see you next time, Let's live out our faith each day without exception.